The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast. My name is Joni Siegel, and my co-host, Jason Good, is busy helping get people off of drugs and so won't be on the podcast today. This is episode number 95, and today we have an interview with a young man who reached out to us on Facebook. You may remember I say typically on our podcasts that um, you can reach out to the podcast on our Facebook page, which is called The Addiction Podcast Point of No Return. So this young man started his drug history at age 11. He is now 21 and he is sober. And I'm going to let him tell you about his specific journey. So without further ado, uh, I will get him on the phone. But before I do, now that I've said that, um, someone reached out to me on Facebook. It was a physical therapist and was a little bit concerned that I had said at one point that rehab and getting completely sober can sometimes handle pain. Um, I, I must not have said it that way because that's really what I mean to say. I And here's why I say that. There have been at least two individuals that I know of that we've spoken to that have suffered from various different kinds of neuropathy. And once coming through rehab and getting off all of all opioids and further drugs, they're not only drug-free, but they're also pain-free. So all I'm trying to say is it can happen. I'm not obviously not promising you that if you go through a rehab program and become sober, you won't have pain anymore, because I don't know that that's true. But I have spoken to several people who have experienced that, that once they come off of opioids, come off of street drugs, that they no longer experience whatever the pain is that they were experiencing before. So that was my intended communication. If it came across that, oh, you can handle pain or you will handle pain, well, I'm not sure. I, I believe you can, but that's me. I'm not a doctor. I'm definitely not a physical therapist. I know there's a lot that uh, goes into pain and what causes it. So there you go. And I hope you guys enjoy the interview today. Thank you for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. I think that while everybody's, there are similarities with the subject of addiction, I think everybody's story is a little bit different. And I think yours is, a, I hate to say it's a good story, but it, it's a good story. So tell me, how did you get started on drugs? Um, so I, at a very young age, uh, I mean, everything really with my childhood was, was pretty normal, but, um, coming up on sixth grade, uh, sixth, seventh grade at 11 years old, uh, I got diagnosed with ADHD, ADD. Uh, and, uh, so I was taken to a doctor and basically the doctor prescribed me 75 milligrams of Vivanch right off the bat. And, uh, so that's, that's basically how everything kind of got meshed in together. It started off with a Vivance and then, uh, going up into freshman year, 
uh, I've, I've tried marijuana a couple times before that, but uh, everything started to get a little bit kind of out of control. Devin, I'm going to stop uh, you. I've never heard of Vyvanse. I mean, obviously, I've heard of Ritalin. Ritalin has been, I think, pretty much the drug of choice for ADHD. But Vyvanse, mm -hmm. is that that just like another name for Ritalin, or is that uh, different? Yeah, Vyvanse, Ritalin, and Adderall is pretty much all the the same thing. Okay. But uh, Vyvanse and and Adderall are pretty much the, the strongest ones that you can get. Okay. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah. So let me just, just because uh, there's a pause here. So when you were prescribed with ADHD, do they, are there different like severities of ADHD? Did they say like you had it like super bad or a mild case? Do they um, even, do they even designate? That That's a funny question because I've, I've never really seen somebody or ask somebody if they have ADHD and they give me a response. Yeah, I have severe ADHD is what the doctor told me. All I've ever heard uh, through, throughout my years of living is just I have ADHD or I have ADD. Right. But the, but what you were prescribed, the Vyvanse, that was, it was a heavy dosage, right? Yes, very heavy dose. Wow. Okay, keep telling your story. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, you're fine. So, uh, at, at 15 years old, uh, coming up on freshman year in high school, uh, I started acting out again. I started, uh, except it was more severe than when I when I first got diagnosed. It was, I was started getting in fights. I started cussing out family members, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma. Started cussing out teachers. Uh, just really started to get really, really irritable. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell why at first, but uh, I finally, one day I, I stopped taking my uh, Vyvanse and Adderall, and that's that's what it was. It was the Vyvanse and Adderall. So I had gotten off the Vyvanse and Adderall, and uh, I started smoking marijuana very, very heavily. Uh, I smoked every day smoked anywhere from uh, eight to uh, seven grams of marijuana. And uh, it really kind of like calmed me down on things, just like what it usually does for people. And uh, so this started a, uh, a habit for me of getting addicted to things that I, that I do very heavily. Everything I did, I did addictively. When I did something, I did excessively. And there was there was never too much that I could do of it, and so uh, going going through school, I mean, I I discovered the the Molly, the ecstasy, uh, pretty much all every drug except uh, the heroin and the methamphetamine, and uh, so I did the partying. Alcohol was was prevalent. I started drinking at about fifteen, sixteen, also, and uh, alcohol at that point was was not like my main drug of choice because I had marijuana on me at all times. And, uh, I go through high school and, uh, I, I finish a year early. And, uh, at this point I'm, I'm still doing my party and 
and everything. And then uh, I graduate high school, and when I get out, things start to get just absolutely absurd. Okay, Devin, I'm going to stop you uh, one more time just because I have attention on something, and I meant to ask you earlier, and I didn't. You were, and because I get, I go back to this, you were originally prescribed Vyvanse. Mm -hmm. When did the Adderall come into play? And aren't they both the Uh, same kind of drug? And why would you need both? Yeah, so the, basically when, when one stops working, uh, this is just what I've heard from the doctors. When one stops working, it's because you get tolerant to it. And, uh, like, I guess the, the molecule makeup of both the Vyvanse and Adderall is somewhat similar, but then also different. And so they, they took me off the, the Vyvanse because that stopped working and they started giving me Adderall. Okay. And, uh, they started giving me Adderall and then obviously the Adderall wasn't working. And my mom was one of those type of people, hey, if the doctor says you got to take it, you got to take it. And basically, I was just like, screw you. I'm not taking this stuff no more. Don't make me feel good. Right. You know, no, no, absolutely no finger pointing at your mother whatsoever. I think it's unfortunate, though, that, you know, doctors don't give enough information about these drugs and enough of the, you know, side effects and possible long-term problems with them. So a mother who is told, you know, by a school or wherever, oh, your kid is acting out, you know, he can't stay here because he's, you know, you've got to put him on medication. I don't know that mothers have a whole lot of choice. And it's really, it's, it's unfortunate because I don't think that moms are put in a position where they're able to make an educated decision. That's my... Oh, um, it's a tough spot. Yeah, that's my editorial comment on that because, you know, no mother is going to want to knowingly harm their child. You know, they're just not. But when they mm-hmm. when they don't know what's going on and they don't have another solution, the doctor says, oh, great, just give him this pill. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Okay, so I totally turned your story around, but you had said you were on Vyvanse and then, and then you said you were on Adderall. And I just wanted to get how that happened because, um, yeah, anyway. Okay. So you, you, how did you graduate high school early? You must be very smart. Um, yeah, I was, I was always, uh, pretty smart, I would say. Uh, but my, my freshman year, I got kicked out for having an eighth of marijuana on me and I had went to an alternative school. I didn't do too well at the alternative school because I really didn't want to be there. And so I, I come back to uh, school the following year, my sophomore year, and uh, I started doing online schooling, and I started just doubling up all my classes in online schooling. And then junior year, the probably about at the end of junior year, I, fin- I finished out. Okay. And did you push to finish high school early because you had a goal in mind, or was it just that you didn't want to go to school anymore? I, I was honestly, I was just really tired of being told to to get up at six o'clock in the morning and get on the bus and go to school and deal with people. I get it. I get it. Okay. So now you have graduated high school and you've been experimenting with what drugs at this point? Uh, at this point, uh, on my gra- graduation, I had, 
I experimented with Molly, ecstasy, LSD, mushrooms, um, basically just a little bit of experimenting with everything, okay. except the, I haven't gone through the methamphetamine. None of the hard drugs, really, what people call them. Okay. And uh, so at that point, I had done a little bit of the, the softer drugs, but the harder drugs I had not gotten to at this point. Okay, so uh, after I graduated, uh, I had done a, a very number of things. But um, so basically, the, the rundown of it goes like this. It, I get out of high school. Um, I get into a, a group of people that are either dropped out of high school or just didn't go to high school. And uh, all they do is just be party all the time. And so I got into this group of people. And, uh, that's all I did with them was party. I go out, get drunk, come back home. Uh, at one point I was kicked out of my mom's house and had to move to Indianapolis and then got kicked out of that house because I couldn't, I couldn't get away from my environment. I always had to go back and get drunk, get high and do everything with this group of people. And so uh, th- this group of people was, was very bad for me. It was very toxic. But uh, for some reason, I, I couldn't get away from it for so long before I had to go back. Just felt like I had to go back, had to go back. And uh, so I did this for, for multiple, multiple years. And uh, in between this time, I had my, uh, I had my first child. And uh, her mom took her took my first child away from me because I was just I was just so, so messed up all the time. And, uh, I just could never compose myself. I was always acting out, always cussing at people, had no filter at all. And I was just outright disrespectful, didn't care unless it was for drugs and alcohol. And, uh, like I said, I did this for, for a number of years after high school, all the way from 17, pretty much till I was 21. Did she do drugs and, as uh, well or no? Uh, at the, at the time, that I know of, no, she did not. Okay. She maybe she maybe drank every once in a while and smoked a little bit of marijuana, but other than that, I, I really don't know. Okay. So, uh, so my my first child got taken away from me, and and things just kept on getting worse. Consequences were adding up. Uh, from eighteen years old to to now, I've been in jail a total of eleven, ten, eleven times. For every every everything I have on my record right now is is directly correlating to drugs and alcohol. Right. Like there's nothing else. There's nothing else to it. And uh, so th- this this uh, pattern just brought me down a very very de- bad path. That was ultimately I was just self destructing myself all the time. Right. And uh, I just I. I I couldn't help it for some reason because I I was I I didn't know that I was an addict and alcoholic at this point. So I really wasn't seeking for help. And if I didn't know I was an alcoholic and an addict, I really didn't care because I was having so much self self fun, self pleasure that everything was self seeking. So I couldn't I really wasn't looking for anything else at that point. Hmm. And uh so I get I get to uh, about 19 years old and uh, I had met the, this girl that uh, I am with now. And uh, she, she basically 
tried taking me out of this environment, moving me to southern Indiana, which is about three hours away from my hometown, on stipulations that I don't, I don't, I don't do what I was doing down in southern Indiana like I was back at home, and I don't correlate with the same people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did, I did this for about six months. And uh, for these for these six months, I, I got myself a, a nice job doing uh, something that I love. I was painting cars, painting old Corvettes, and I was restoring old Corvettes. Oh wow! And uh, I I absolutely loved it. I was I was basically living my dream job. Oh, that's cool. And uh, yeah, so when when I was doing this, I was uh, basically building up trust with us, and uh, I had gotten so much trust that. When uh, when I wanted to go back home, uh, had I had done something that had highly pissed off my my girlfriend, and we got in an argument. the The argument ended up with cops being called. Both of us had had bruises on us. Stuff was thrown around the house, and it was just basically chaotic. But I was also drunk and uh high at the time so I, in the in the moment i i really couldn't tell what was going on but i just know it was just absolutely chaos cops ended up getting called i had to be removed from the house and ultimately i was back in my hometown doing the same stuff with the same people within less than 24 hours and uh I, at this point this is what i would describe as my my first bottom because as alcoholics and addicts we know that uh, bottoms, bottoms are bottomless pits, basically. You can hit one, but if you don't want to climb out of it, you can always hit another. Mm. And so uh, I'd, I'd hit this, this bottom and just basically knowing that I was, I was doing all the wrong things uh, at the wrong time. I'd, I'd gone back home, and uh, back at home, my... Uh, my drug dealer had uh, got got me into uh, methamphetamine for the first time. Had done a, a a lot of drugs, and methamphetamine to me was just like I, I felt like Superman. Mm. And uh, how 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 do you uh, basically describe the correlation between methamphetamine and the government prescribed amphetamines, Vyvanse and Adderall, it's it's basically the same thing except methamphetamine just pierces your your dopamine receptors twice as fast because it doesn't it has a certain molecule that Vyvanse and, and uh, Adderall doesn't. Oh. Hmm. So uh, so I, I I go about smoking methamphetamine and I absolutely love it, fell in love and. Uh, this is at this is at 19 years old, uh, and I did this methamphetamine for for a straight year, and uh, had lost a a shit ton of weight. Absolutely, like it was it was just disgusting. So uh, basically, I was just doing everything that I was regularly doing, except you throw methamphetamine in the mix, wow. and uh, that that's about it. Wow. So. Uh, I come up on my uh, my twentieth birthday, obviously celebrated in all the wrong ways, <laughs> and I go I go to uh, 
to about six months past that, and I had hit like an absolute brick wall that I could not get past. Uh, I did not know what was going on, and uh, it was just it was just weird. Were you able like, to? I, I knew. I'm sorry. Were you able to continue working while you were doing the methamphetamine? Yeah, I, okay. I, I did. I worked all throughout this time. I didn't have the same job that I worked in Southern Indiana, but I had always had pretty pretty decent jobs actually. Just a reminder that you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. If you would like further information on the podcast or if you have a story you would like to share with us, you can find us on Facebook. It's the page called The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. And if you'd like further information on Narcan on Suncoast, you can call 1-877-339-3324. That's 1-877-339-3324. Three three two four. Any, I mean, I was making as as anywhere from eighteen to twenty year old. I was always making over twelve dollars an hour. Okay. And so uh, when I when I hit twenty, about six months past there, I hit this brick wall, and uh, I started self evaluating myself for some reason. Waking up on on one day, and. Uh, I knew I needed to get help, but I didn't know where to start at all. And uh, so I called my mom. I asked a couple buddies. And uh, my mom gets me into this therapist at the, the hospital, the state ran hospital. And the uh, ther- therapist asked me a series of questions, and we get to the end of it. And she tells me, uh, I really don't know where you want to go from here, but if you don't stop what you're doing soon, you will die really really soon like there's there's no possible way that i could keep on going doing the things that i was doing and live past a couple months right and so so basically at 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 20 years old i was being told that i'm not going to make it to 21 (laughs) and uh that 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 hit me hard and so uh i i I asked my mom what what should i do and asked the therapist and they're telling me and intense rehabilitation and i'm like whoa like this intense rehabilitation that sounds a little bit too intense for for me what does that but, mean um, intense rehabilitation what does that mean do you know um like an in-stay rehabilitation center where you you stay in the rehab okay and uh you do anywhere from 30 30 days and i know some some rehabs go up to six months right but uh, they was recommending anywhere from 30 days to 60 days inpatient and then do an outpatient program somewhere and then go go from there. Okay. And so so at 20 years old, uh, after having this chat with the therapist and my mom and a couple of buddies, I take off to uh, Florida where I'm currently at right now. But I took off to Florida to a rehabilitation center and uh, did 30, 30, no, 45 days on a 35-day commit, which means I did about an extra 10 days okay. after that. Uh, after that 45 days, uh, I went home. Uh, I worked a little bit of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. And uh, after, after about a month, uh, also I was, working, I was working a really good job at this point, too. Uh, I was making a lot of money, but I was working also working about 70 to 80 hours a week. Okay. And so, uh, I was just highly overworking myself. I stressed myself out a lot 
And uh, I stopped working a program shortly after that, maybe 10, 15 days. I was back on the methamphetamine, back smoking marijuana, back to drinking, just doing all the same things all over again, except this time I know better than than to do what I was doing. Right. And uh, on top of that, I knew it was going to eventually kill me again. It wasn't like I, I did 35, 45 days in a rehab and I would stay forever. Right. I knew that if I did the 35, 45 days and go back out, that I could have killed myself on the first run. Yep. And uh, so it, it only lasted probably about two months back at home. Uh, I came down to rehab again in Florida. And at this point, I had, I had lost hope. Like, I didn't, I didn't think that this stuff worked, the AA, the sponsorship, any of that. I didn't think that it worked at this point. Mm-hmm. And so basically, I just, I just used rehab as like a, a vacation spot, basically, my second time going around. And I did 35 days straight went back home and within 24 hours of getting off the dang plane, I had started drinking and drugging again. Wow. And this time, I mean, it just, it was just a repeating cycle at this time. And, uh, like I, I start to notice like the things that they talk about and rehab, like the phenomena of craving after you take the first one, you can't stop. Right. As much as I wanted to, I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to drug, but I didn't know how to deal with myself sober. So the only thing that I was normalized with was drugs and alcohol. Right. And so that's exactly what I resorted back to when I couldn't handle life and I couldn't handle myself. And wow. so, like I said, within, within 24 hours of getting off the plane, I was right back to doing the drugs and alcohol. And I went on a 21-day, very, very intense uh run it was just absolutely horrible it ended up in a nut, two other arrests and uh so after those two other arrests i called my i called my rehab and they have this thing called the alumni program once you go through uh you you get with an alumni coordinator and they do like after after hours activities and like every week you get together on thursday and do some do some pretty fun stuff right and uh so I get I get a hold of these alumni coordinators. I tell them what's going on, and uh, at at this point I I was done. I I probably hit the the bottom of all bottoms. Like I was absolutely done. I was crying to myself at night, and I just I just couldn't handle handle myself no more. And I didn't want to die, and I I didn't want to live though. Right. So I was stuck in the middle, and I was confused. And so uh, after. After this call, uh, within four hours, I was back on a plane going back down to Florida, and uh, I did I did the 35 days, except this time I did the 35 days inpatient, and I did about another 30 days at two outpatient re- rehabilitation centers. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know what an outpatient center is, you have uh, like an outpatient, which is where you live at home when you go to like groups during the week, you get drug tested and things like that. Right. Or they have like a intensive outpatient where most of them down here, you live off campus from the main uh, inpatient rehabilitation center. And you uh, go, you go to groups, you do, you do just basically normal things that you would do at a rehab, except you have more freedom. 
you can go get a job and start working if you want. It basically prepares you to go back out into the real world of life. Right. So I did, total I did uh, about a little over 60 days of inpatient and outpatient rehab. And uh, after that, I come to the place I'm at now, which is a sober living house. And uh, basically right, right now that I'm in the moment of preparing myself to go back out on my own, but really what I'm trying to get down here is, is structure. I've lived my whole life basically without a, a structured day, a structured week or anything structured really. Right. It's just been all free roam. I go here, I go there, I do this, I do that, but it's all out of order. It's never it's never planned out. It's just on the go all wow. the time. Yeah. And so how long have you been sober now? Uh, I've been sober a little over 100 days now. That's awesome. Is that the longest period of time you've been sober? Yes. That's very, very well done. That's that's really well done to you. And so are you working right now? Uh, I am working. Okay. I have a job. I have a job. Uh, I, I go to meetings. I have a sponsor. Uh, I'm working the steps. I'm currently uh, about to hit my fifth step. And... Uh, just the, the whole the whole sobriety down here in, in Southern Florida is also completely different than what I had back at home when I first tried AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, NA, Narcotics Anonymous, any of that. Right. It's a whole different it's a whole different style down here, and uh, I mean I've 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 gone through life at basically my own pace. And I've had people that's cared for me and and help me out along the way, and I could talk to and stuff like that. But when I got down here and, and started throwing myself in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, things were a, a lot different because I actually found a group of people that actually cared about me. Uh, they would drop anything that they had going on to help me out if I had a sticky situation or anything like that. And it's just uh, a really loving and caring community down here. That's awesome. Now, where's your where's your family? Back, um, all like my Indiana? family's back home in Indiana. Okay, okay. Are you going to eventually go back there, or do you see yourself staying in Florida? What's your plan there? Um, so I, I've actually this is actually something I've been uh, been thinking about a lot lately because uh, of the, I've done a lot of damage back at home. Um. I've also talked to a couple people back at home about what it's like, what, like what is going on basically back at home. Right. And they're all telling me it's, it's the same thing going on back at home that it would have been two months before you left. And it's, it's just going downhill even more. Wow. And so, uh, I haven't officially made a decision, but, uh, I'm leaning more towards on staying down here yep. and getting myself, uh, centered and footed down here. Yeah. And then hopefully eventually just getting myself planted down here. Right. And what what about your kids? Is there a possibility they could come down and live near you or Yeah, uh so so my first child, uh I'll definitely have to uh I'll have to go to the court and uh, I didn't even mention this in the story, but I also have my uh, my second child with uh my current girlfriend. And, uh, so, so my first child, I'll obviously have to go to court for because, uh, 
mom is still highly pissed off at me and uh, doesn't think that I've changed at all, which is perfectly okay. That's, that's her opinion on things. That's the way she views it. And, uh, that, that's her. I can't, I can't judge her for, for who she is because at, at one point I was a horrible, nasty, disgusting person. And so, uh, my, my second child, uh, I still get to interact with, I FaceTime all the time with, uh, and me and me and the mom are on good terms. Oh, that's great. And so, uh, hopefully eventually I can get them to move down here or at least come down and visit throughout this, uh, this period of time where I'm trying to get myself right. Okay. But my, my ultimate goal is to actually move my child down here. Awesome. And how, how old is the young one? The second uh, one. The second one? Yep. She is a little over two months. Oh, wow. And how about the older one? Oh, that's right, because you're so young. You're only, what, 21? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 21. <laughs> how old is so your, the, how was your first child? How old the oldest one is uh, just turned four in December. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Have you been able to talk to his mom or not so much? Does she not want to talk to you? Uh, yeah, not I've talked to her uh not not the mom, but I've talked to the mom's mom, the I grandmother. Okay. okay. And uh so I've, I've talked to her a little bit and uh she understands uh what we go through as addicts and alcoholics and how we act and how we treat people and things of that nature. Yep. And uh so she she's kind of like forgiven me in a sort of way. We've we've had a couple conversations she showed me my uh like updated pictures on my my baby and stuff like that. Okay. But as 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 far as the mom goes, she is still not really trying to communicate. I understand. Well, I I my hope is that as you go along and you, you know, continue with your sobriety and you know, maybe get your second child down there that, you know, maybe she'll come around once she realizes that you 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 mean what you say these days. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So what's next? I know you said um, you you have been talking to kids and talking at meetings. Have you been talking to kids or just mainly talking at meetings? Uh, I mean, I go I go to a, a sorted amount of meetings. I, go, I still go to my uh, rehab that got me clean. Okay. And uh, I go there and uh, I try to... I, I try to reach a little bit of everybody, but it's mainly targeting like the younger audience because I'm so young. And, uh, I think that the, the younger generation, uh, really doesn't want to get clean and sober most of the time, uh, regarding to the fact that there, when we go back home, the only thing that they see back at home is young kids partying. We go to college, we party at college. It, all, all it is, is is party and party and party and and we think that there's there's no fun in in sobriety as as a young as a young adult young teenager and uh, I see that just as well here just as well back at my home also right that all it is is party and party and partying for the younger generation when I went back to, at home to uh, to to get sober and do the AA thing and all that. I was the I was the youngest one in AA classes, mm. and the, the next the next step up for me was by the 
a 26 year old. And then the next step up was at 35 and up. Wow. And, uh, so it was really hard to, to, to grab onto somebody my age and be like, Hey, let's, let's, let's uh, gather up and let's, let's try to figure this thing out together and help each other out. Right. And, uh, so that's, I'm trying to reach the, the younger generation and let yeah. them know that, Hey, th- I mean, yeah, the, the partying and the, the drinking and the drugging, it was fun at the moment. And it, it may still be fun for you guys, but at some point, if you're a true addict or an alcoholic, it's going to come to an end and it's going to come to an abrupt halt and it's going to be consequential. Like it's, it's not, it's not going to be fun no more. It's not going to be cool. Uh, it's, it's just not the thing no more. And yeah. and come join us. We do, we do fun things. I have a, I have a huge group of people down here that are anywhere from 18 to about 26 years old. Oh, cool. I hang out with them all the time. And it's a it's a whole different side that I haven't seen yet to the, the, the sobriety world. And I actually have more fun than I ever did when I was getting hired drunk. And on top of that, I don't go to jail. Uh, yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> but, so but, yeah, it's it's a it's a big plus not going to jail for it, one. Yeah. But uh for two to actually laugh without having drugs and alcohol in my system. Right. Or to actually have fun without having drugs and alcohol in my system right. is probably one of the best feelings I've ever felt before. And it's, it's, it took me a long time to get to the point that I'm at now with actually being content where, where I'm at, even though with as, as little that I have, I don't have a car to get to work. I don't have, all I have is a bicycle. I have clothes, I have food in my fridge. I got, I got all my basic necessities basically. And the the bike's even a plus to me to be able to get around a little bit faster than my two feet. Right. With with as little that I have right now, I'm I'm actually happy with where I'm at, with what I'm doing because I, I'm not I'm not doing it by myself anymore. I'm doing it with a group of people that's struggling just as much as I am. Right. But we know once once we make it to the other side. There's there's nothing that can take us back from that no more because we we don't we don't have drugs and alcohol to take us to jail, a hospital or a casket no more. Right. So all we can do from there is is, is climb even higher than we was before. I like that. That's a really good message for young people, and I think that's it's interesting that you say when you first went into rehab, you were the youngest one there. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story on the podcast. I We've got listeners from all over the world, and I think that, you know, your story is going to resonate with people who listen, and I appreciate you sharing it with us. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening today. Jason will be back with me next week. We've got an exciting interview that will actually happen midweek that we will post next Thursday. And that is with another member of Rock to Recovery. If you've been listening, you know that we spoke to Wes Gear, who's the founder of Rock to Recovery. And it's a very interesting utilization of music to help facilitate rehab and recovery. So stay tuned for that. And we will talk to you next week. 
You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.